My name is Errol Corker, and I'm the founder and the CEO of the AB Corporate Foundation for Mental Health. Welcome to our podcast series, Brain Goods, Mental Health Moments. Today on our podcast, we will be talking to Dr. Alan Burkhard, PhD. The topic is understanding the effects of COVID-19 on children and how they cope. Dr. Burkhardt is a consulting psychologist at the Behavioral Clinic at Penfield Children's Center. He's a professor at Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Thank you, Adele. I really appreciate it and I'm really glad to be here. So as uh, Adele said, um, and again, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with all of you about um, this particular issue um, related to how COVID might be affecting our children and, and how they cope with it. Um, as uh, Adele said, I'm uh, a professor of counseling psychology at, at Marquette University, um, but I'm also the consulting psychologist with the behavior clinic at Penfield Children's Center where we actually provide treatment uh, for young children with trauma from ages zero to six. So, um, and I also want to acknowledge, this is actually a part of a two-part presentation. Um, I'm going to be specifically talking about the effects of COVID on children and how they cope. And uh, Courtney Clark will actually uh, be presenting on parenting strategies. So, um, so I, I won't delve as directly into the parenting strategies, but I will talk about um, coping strategies. And then uh, uh, Courtney will follow up next week um, as it relates to uh, parenting strategies. So let me give you a little bit of an overview um, for what I'm hoping to talk about today. Um, the, the first part of the presentation, I'm, gonna, I'm going to provide some context for you. And a lot of that context is going to focus on um, kind of the effects of COVID on family. We, we really can't talk about children unless we talk about families and, and the impacts on families. Um, so we'll take a little bit of time to talk about that. Um, we'll also talk about the effects on attending school um, and then some of the mental health impacts that we're seeing already on children. Um, I do want to take a few minutes to talk a little bit about parent recognition um, of child mental health needs and particularly stress responses. Um, and then also cover um, the idea of a stress response and what that looks like. And then as I, I will kind of bring that back around then to talking about COVID and connecting it then to how our children cope, um, particularly in this pandemic. At the very end of the uh, uh, slides, I, I won't cover this um, per se, but, um, but there are some resources that you might find useful, um, both um, to families um, and, and to working with children. So let me jump into some of the background information. So, you know, first of all, um, this pandemic is an unprecedented situation. We, we really haven't seen anything like this. And, um, we, we have had parallel situations when we've um, experienced disasters that have been disruptive to the families and, and to their normal routines. But this pandemic, um, you know, we're well into our fourth month um, where um, many things have been shut down. And so it really is an unprecedented situation. Um, for families, that has had a tremendous impact on uh, parents. And when I use the term parents, I, I'm using that generally to cover all caregivers, whether that's, 
whether that's you know single family uh, parents or, or single parent families, um, you know both a mother and a father, partners, whoever, um, whichever parent unit is kind of um, uh, the head of the household. Um, but for parents, they've had um, a pretty significant disruption to their work life, and. Um, and in some cases, um, parents' uh, work has changed from being in the office to at home. In other cases, um, as in the case with essential, wor uh, essential workers, their, their, um, their work situation has suddenly become a place of risk. And, um, and so for, for, um, for parents, it really has become a, a challenging situation. One of the ways that they're experiencing that, that is through financial challenges. And we're seeing about 71% of families are really concerned about money due to the changes uh, with the pandemic. Another 51% we're certainly seeing some adjustments in terms of budgets. Um, and another 26% have lost wages, um, either, either entirely or portions of wages. So this is pretty... Uh, pretty significant financial um, and stressors on families that they have to contend with. But in addition to that, we're also seeing dramatic role changes. So, so as families have shifted from being um, in the workplace to at home, suddenly we see parents um, combining the roles of being caregivers, educators, um, they're the recreation directors um, in their homes. Um, they're looking at you know, while they're doing that, they're also looking to maintain their career and work activities. And these boundaries have all gotten very blurred. Um, and within that context, we also see that about 76% of parents are really pretty worried about their child's emotional and mental health well-being. So, um, so there has been um, a tremendous amount of uh, effect um, of, the, of the pandemic on families generally and specifically on parents. Um, when we look at what's happened with schools, we've seen nearly 94% uh, of schools um, have been shut down, and many have been shut down since about uh, the early part to the mid part of, of March. Um, and we also have a tremendous amount of uncertainty about what is going to happen um, in the fall semester, and I'll talk about that more in a little bit. Um, but in the fall, um, there have been guidelines that have been published. Certainly, the CDC has um, put out guidelines on, on uh, reopening of schools. But, um, but you can literally see district by district um, what is occurring is going to look quite differentiated. Um, in fact, um, um, you know, I know that my daughter is actually a fifth grade teacher um, down in Illinois, and they're going to have staggered starts with only about half of the students um, coming to class every other day. So, um, so what is, um, how fall is going to be rolled out is going to be um, um, significantly affected. Um, we also know that about one in seven children um, lacked access to the internet, and that was one of the big strategies um, when we closed schools down was to move things online and create virtual learning environments. Um, and yet we have, um, you know, a significant number of children not really having access um, to the internet and to these online strategies. Um, and those families that have lower income actually have much less access. We're also seeing a, a huge and disproportionate um, delivery system through these online um, uh, systems. So just to give you an example of this, um, the school district of Philadelphia 
literally assumed that children would not have access in, in their district to the internet um, to be able to access, access online resources. So as a result, um, they decided not to offer online instruction until all students could access it. And what this meant is, is they didn't um, literally offer online instruction until early May. It was actually May 4th when they started instruction. So, um, so there's really disproportionate delivery of educational services, and particular, particularly in ethnic minority um, communities, we're seeing more pressure in this particular area. Um, I also want to know um, the, the variation of how um, online education is being delivered. So I noted my daughter, who is an elementary instructor, um, her district actually provided all of the online education, and she was um, really there to answer questions. And, you know, in my discussions with her, she really only answered a few questions um, each day. My niece is also a teacher up in the Minneapolis area, and she was um, online with students um, starting at 8 o'clock in the morning till 3.30 in the afternoon, providing asynchronous instruction. So um, even city by city, we're seeing great variations in how, um, how the services or how education is being delivered. Then we can take a look at the mental health effects on children. And, you know, children are reporting that they're scared, they're anxious, they're confused, and they're feeling really um, pretty stressed and pretty unhappy. Um, so we're hearing that report. The other thing that children are saying, and, and a large part of this has to do with the fact that schools are closed, is that they're bored at, the, bored at home. And um, in fact, I, I know my daughter received several videos from her students um, reporting over and over and over on board. I don't know what to do. So, um, so we, we do see this, um, this effect on, on children, both emotionally and then it, just in terms of that boredom and trying to figure out what to do. Um, another 49% of children are really expressing concern over their parents or a loved one due to illness um, due to COVID-19. So children are pretty aware of what's happening with this illness and, and the effect it is having on their families. Um, I also want to note again that access to care is also an issue. So we know that roughly around 20% of 21% uh, of children ages 19 to 17 have some type of mental health issue that they need treatment for. And yet only about 16% of these children actually receive, receive services. And, um, and even more striking is that typically 70 to 80% of those services occur through schools. So with the closure of schools, we're seeing a tremendous amount of pressure um, being put on those students who are particularly affected with mental health concerns. Um, I also want to note, again, the disparities um, in healthcare services that in um, ethnic minority communities, um, in low SES, um, low uh, income situations, we're often seeing um, that those, um, those individuals have less access to mental health care services. And when they do receive them, they're often receiving uh, poor quality of uh, care services. Uh, so that, that's, a, that's a particular concern uh, to note as well. Um, so, you know, uh, um, I really want to note the breakdown of our normal services for providing mental health care um, um, to children and, and students in schools. One of the things that we know is parents often underestimate um, the mental health needs of their children. And one of the things that the research indicates is that um, parents often don't actually recognize 
um, um, mental health needs and particularly stress effects. For example, in, in one particular study, um, about 20% of children reported um, having great worry about stress in their lives when only about 3% of their parents actually recognized that the uh, stress was that extreme in their child. In another, um, in another study, we saw that 33% uh, of children reported headaches, which is a common sign of stress in children, and yet only about 13% of parents saw these symptoms as being stress-related. Um, relatedly, we also saw children, about 44% of children, reporting sleep difficulties. Um, and in those instances, um, about 13% of parents recognize, uh, recognize these sleep difficulties. So, um, so there's something about the disconnection at times for parents that they're not always seeing the mental health or the stress symptoms in their ch children. Um, so it's, it's important that during this particular pandemic that maybe we attune ourselves to those, those stress symptoms. Let me talk a little bit about the stress response. Um, um, as we, and then I'll relate it to children specifically. When, when we look at the stress response, so what happens in, um, when we experience a stressful situation? And I think one of the common ones that we, we talk about is the individual that might start to walk across the street and then all of a sudden experiences this car coming at them and they, they have this reaction. And, and the reaction is usually one of fight, uh, flight, or freeze. And so, um, and, and the reason we have that response is there's, there's a, um, a biological process that takes place in our body where we perceive this stressful event. Um, the hypothalamus sets off an alarm in our body, which releases a, a hormone through the adrenal gland called cortisol. Cortisol actually prepares our body for these stressful situations. And so we see increases in heart rate. Our breathing starts to increase and our lungs uh, dilate. Um, and then we also experience this uh, release of glucose in the body to kind of prepare, prepare our body for action. Um, so this is a pretty actually normal response in, in the face of stress. And, and actually cortisol levels at times are quite useful in our body. So what help us, helps us uh, wake up in the morning, it contributes to our ability to exercise. It actually can help with uh, memory, it can strengthen our heart, it can regulate uh, blood pressure, even increase our immune system. So there is a healthy part um, of having cortisol released in our body, um, but there are also unhealthy levels. And, um, and so, you know, that's when we begin to see these stress, um, these stress responses have negative impacts. So typically with high stress levels, we'll see reactions or, um, um, or we'll have um, experiences in our body where um, we experience headaches, um, memory and concentration problems, maybe irritability. Um, and these are pretty common signs of stress in adults. Um, and these events, you know, typically um, we would talk about, you know, stress at work or, you know, perhaps we're going through a divorce or we've lost someone close to us, uh, to, close to us through death um, or maybe a prolonged illness or finance, uh, financial issues. Um, in children, it looks a little bit different that usually the, the events that trigger stress are fights with friends. It's bullying at school. It's homework taking a test, um, maybe birth of a sibling, sibling conflict. Um, or the, the other thing that children might experience is also parents having problems. And, and children do perceive parents having problems. Um, 
COVID-19 is a, a situation where, um, you know, there's uh, children are certainly aware of what's happening and, and it's also creating stress within their family and they're uh, perceiving this. So um, the important part here is we want to find ways to reduce those stress levels and decrease this uh, high stress life. Now in children, um, the stress levels look a little bit differently. We see some common things like he uh, headaches, but we might see new or reoccurring bedwetting. We might see decreased or increased appetite, nightmares, sleep disturbances. Um, so these might be some of the physical symptoms. Often you'll hear children um, making physical complaints, maybe like an upset stomach. Um, you know, so these are some of the physical symptoms that when children are experiencing more stress that they'll express. Um, the other thing that they might express um, is it might come across in terms of emotional or behavioral symptoms. So, um, so they might be experiencing anxiety and worry, or they might find it difficult to relax. Um, you know, for you know, perhaps they have a favorite television show and they just can't quite sit still to watch that particular show. Or you might see new fears emerge or reoccur, such as fear of the dark or being alone. Um, they, they might express more anger, more irritability. Um, you might see more conflict in relationships. So you, you do see some changes potentially um, in children in terms of emotional and some behavioral symptoms when we see stress levels going up. The other thing that I want to note is there are developmental differences for children um, as we look at stress. So in young children, it looks quite different than it does in adolescents. Adolescents, it's a little bit more um, like adults in terms of, you know, um, just, um, you know, sleeping and eating disturbances, um, general agitation, maybe interpersonal conflicts with friends or family or um, even uh, concentration issues and physical complaints. In young children, you tend to see things like bedwetting, clinging to parents, sleep disturbances, loss of appetite, fear of the dark. Um, so you are going to see some um, significant developmental differences that you'll kind of want to attune to um, as parents. So with that context, I now want to kind of turn to COVID-19. And I just want you to imagine what this is like for a child um, in this environment. Um, you know, at this point, most children are out of school. And I know that um, you know, we're currently in summer, so, you know, there isn't much school taking place during the summer, but the, for many children, they were in summer school or had summer activities, um, and they are thinking about um, the coming uh, fall semester. Um, they also have uh, no or limited access to family and friends, um, even neighbors, um, out of concern for contracting COVID. There's certainly concerns about family, parents, siblings, extended family. Um, they may know people who are ill or may have been ill themselves. Um, they've seen a, a significant disruption in their social and recreational activities. Um, they're restricted at home and, and um, they may also be exposed to media uh, in terms of uh, news reporting and social media. So what all of this does is it takes children out of their normal routine. And when children are moved out of their normal routines, um, that begins to elicit um, kind of some unpredictability about their world. And when we can't predict the world, we tend to experience more stress and anxiety. Um, 
and, and in many ways, children don't know what's expected of them in these circumstances, and they're not quite sure what to do. Um, so, um, and then to compound all of this, their normal supports are also not av available or accessible to them other than uh, their parents, certainly. Um, so one of the things we're seeing in research about COVID is that children as young as two are aware that there are changes. Now, certainly children at two aren't aware that COVID is happening, but they are aware that there are changes happening in their family and, um, and potentially impacting their family. The other thing that we're seeing um, in some preliminary research is uh, suggesting is that children ages four to 10 seem to be most at risk and most susceptible to some of these um, stress indicators. Um, and as I noted, um, you know, we're, we're just around the corner of returning, uh, returning to school. And it'd be about this time that children would start shopping for school supplies and doing some of those normal things. And, and that's currently not happening. Um, in fact, you know, we know that all routines in schools are going to be affected by COVID-19. Um, you know, in some schools are going to stagger starts. In some, in some schools, they're actually going to have half the class come at uh, different times uh, of the week. Um, lunches are going to likely be at student desks. They won't be in cafeterias. So opportunities to socialize with friends will be reduced. Um, you're going to see teachers, staff, and students are likely to be masked. And so, um, and, and one of the reasons why this is important is um, nonverbal cues like smiles and things like that are pretty important to children. They, they need to see that to understand the context of some language. Recess and gym activities are likely to be changed. Um, and some schools may be mixing uh, virtual online instruction in with their, their um, in-class activities. Um, so we're, you know, we're going to see um, pretty significant changes. And I think one of the, uh, one of the things that'll be more likely this coming fall, in part because rates of infection are increasing, is that we're likely to see more students, staff, and teachers out and sick due to the COVID, and that will that will potentially have a more stressful um, impact on on children. So um, again, I, I want to stress that a part of what COVID is doing is it's really taking away the predictability of what was. A, a fairly normal routine. And because we keep adjusting to what um, is happening with COVID, it really doesn't allow um, young children to really adapt to those situations. And if children are able to kind of predict their environment, it usually helps reduce anxiety. Um, but, but in many of these situations, they, they really can't predict what's going to happen. And, and part of our job becomes um, to help them begin to predict. So, you know, so let's, with that as context, let's now kind of turn to the idea of, so what do we do to cope and how do we help children cope? Well, the, you know, the, the first and maybe the most obvious thing is to start with yourself. Um, because um, stress is contagious. And if you're stressed, it's likely that your child is going to be stressed. And, you know, what we need to be thinking about is, you know, how do we express that? I mean, do we have the news on 24 hours a day and we're attending to what's happening with um, COVID? Um, or how are we talking about COVID and how are we talking about the stress that we might be experiencing from COVID? 
The other part of it is, is how are we managing our stress? Are we, are we actively doing and using healthy strategies? Um, you know, this is much, uh, many of these strategies actually trickle down from parent to child. So, so if you react with stress, it's likely your child will react with stress. If you react with coping strategies and model coping strategies, your child is more likely to use those strategies. So are you exercising? Are you, you know, are you using meditation or maybe yoga or, um, you know, techniques that would help reduce the stress that you're experiencing in your body? Are you eating in a healthy way? Um, are you taking time to relax, um, whether that's through deep breathing, listening to music, reading, and setting up time for yourself to do that? Um, are you getting good sleep and do you have good sleep habits? Um, I mean, all of these pieces are really important to containing and managing your own stress reactions. The other thing that you can be doing is, is talk to your children and, um, you know, so, and one of the recommendations that we'd really have is, you know, let your children guide some of the questions and, and guide that discussion. Um, and I would schedule regular time to talk with your child. Um, you know, it's likely your child has questions and it's also time for you to check in on those stress levels for them. If you remember back earlier, we talked about the idea that sometimes parents aren't making the link between um, what their child is experiencing in terms of stress um, and what their child is actually experiencing. And so um, scheduling time to talk can give you a place to, um, to talk about that. Um, the other thing is, is you want to answer questions truthfully. And, um, and, and there is kind of a developmental issue here that you want to be, again, attuned to what elementary kids need or, you know, young children might need versus, you know, upper middle school and high school students might need. So, you know, younger children need briefer explanations. They don't need all of the details. And, and much of what they need is to be reassured from adults that adults are going to be there to help them. Um, the other thing is, is you can give examples of how they can take control in their life. So doing things like wearing a mask and washing your hands for 20 seconds can be really helpful to helping um, young children begin to um, experience a sense of control because that will help with, um, with coping. For older children like um, adolescents, um, the discussions can be much more in depth. They, they can think more, um, um, you, you know, in a broader range and consider broader issues and talk about them in more depth. You can be more honest and accurate with them and factual with, with information, but you can also engage them in decision making. And I think that that part is really important. So when you're making decisions in the family, include them in that process, because it, again, gives them a sense of control and empowerment, which will help them um, cope better. Um, you also, as I noted earlier, want to be really aware of how you're talking about COVID. If you're talking about it in a really, really stressed way, um, that's probably going to escalate the stress that your child is feeling. Um, explain some of the concepts like um, social distancing and wearing masks and why those things are important. Um, and then establish and maintain daily routines. So, you know, Plan time, you know, to read so that you're winding down and de-stressing in a sense, or if it's listening to music or, you know, um, exercising, you know, with your child. So, you know, I notice in my neighborhood, there are a lot of parents that are actually taking their children with them on walks, which I think is terrific. That's a great way to de-stress. 
Um, I think that, you know, the, the next thing that we can do, or maybe the next set of strategies is to be involved with our child, uh, our children, you know, have fun with them. You know, this might be a time that maybe you have some family projects that you want to do together, or maybe, um, maybe you're teaching yourself to de-stress by learning deep breathing and you're teaching your child to do that. Or maybe you take up yoga and begin to um, practice a little bit of yoga to help de-stress. Um, you know, there are a number of actually really good YouTube videos for both um, child deep breathing and um, and yoga um, on YouTube. I also put a link in the resources section for Growing Minds, which provides some really nice um, tutorials on deep breathing and, and yoga. Um, you can plan health, healthy meals together. Um, and, and like I said, you can spend time actually relaxing together. I also want to note a finding that we, we learned that you know, of all of the negative things that children talked about in terms of feeling stress and anxiety in reaction to COVID, one of the things that they were actually looking forward to, 72% of children said one of the things that they were looking forward to because of COVID was the ability to spend more time with their parents and family. So, um, so you know, we may want to focus a little bit on that positive part that our children are actually looking forward to this. The other thing you can do is really um, establish and help follow healthy uh, habits and good hygiene. Um, and again, this is about um, helping uh, develop and foster that sense of control that children might be feeling or, or need to feel in order to help reduce stress. Um, um, the other thing is, is you can promote healthy eating, eating habits because um, it actually helps promote good immune systems. Um, good sleep habits um, and and having an established bedtime is really important because then that starts to establish some routine with your with your children and also make sure that they get good healthy rest which is important to their immune system and then finally um, some other thoughts and these are just some uh, miscellaneous items you know I've hit this several times but establishing routines which I know Courtney will talk about next week as she talks about parenting strategies, but establishing a clear sense of routine so that children know what is expected, um, what is expected of them, and when things will um, happen within their family. Monitor television and social media use. Um, you know, having um, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, all of those news stations on, um, probably, um, you know, I would limit the amount and I would limit the amount of exposure to children about that. Um, social media is also a place where misinformation can be often um, provided as well. And so I, I think it's, it's really helpful to monitor that. Um, don't be afraid to correct inaccurate information. Um, you know, particularly um, kind of that um, um, late late elementary, early middle school, they're really susceptible to um, rumors and kind of fantasy. And so giving them correct information is really helpful. Um, and then I think the other part that's really important is, is, you know, know when to ask for help, you know. Um, so if you need help from a mental health professional, don't be afraid to ask out, uh, ask for that help. Often your pediatrician can be a good resource for um, resources, but they're also um, 
you know, resources that are pretty easily found in the communities um, for support. Um, certainly at the behavior clinic, you know, we work with, you know, children six and under and have been working with a lot of family on, on COVID. Thank you very much, Dr. Burkhardt, for this very valuable information that you have provided us with. We look forward seeing you on future podcasts. Thank you everyone for joining us on this podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Go to abkf.org and support us so we can continue on with our mission. Thank you again.